Welcome to Freed Up. This is the podcast space where life feels lighter. You know, sometimes life can have us feeling worn out and weighed down, locked up and left out, or just simply looking for more. And if that sounds like you, then you are in the right place. Freed Up has a word for you. In today's episode, I'm so excited to let you listen in on a very personal conversation that I'm having with one of my confidants. When I say this is unscripted, I mean it, and it's raw and it's real. And we're talking about anxiety. We're sharing about experiences of anxiety that we've had in this pandemic season. But we're also talking about what God has taught us in this time. So I hope that you'll grab a seat. You might even wanna get some popcorn for this one because we're going in for real. We'll be back in a moment. Ashley, I think one of the best things that happened for me in this season is the fact that you and I decided we were going to meet. Yes. Every week. We started out every week and then we moved to bi weekly. Because, you know, even in the midst of a pandemic, a mama and a professor and a wife got stuff going on. And this single chick over here. Got stuff going on too. I know people think single people don't have anything going on but being lonely during this time, but we really do have stuff happening. And please clear that up because that is ridiculous that we are thinking that all single people think about is being lonely. You guys are <laughs> are have running ministries, loving on people, checking on folks, yeah. pursuing dreams. Yeah. We got a lot going on. We got a lot going on. And sometimes what we have going on is sitting on that sofa and just saying, I like this little corner right here. I'm going to take a little rest. I'm going right. to take a little rest. So, um, but I was so excited that you said yes to let listeners of Freed Up listen in on what we've been doing together um, yeah. for the last couple or three months. And, um, and the truth of the matter is it's an extension over what we've been doing over the years, like yeah. so many years. And I shouldn't say so many because that makes it sound like I'm old. Uh. <laughs> no, we're, we're not old. Uh, you're not old. We are just um, ripe. Ripe for <laughs> development. <laughs> we are... Um, blossoming let's say that we're blossoming that's that's exactly what it is and so um i know we we haven't met for a couple of weeks so we have a lot to catch up on and we have been talking about our journeys with this um really dealing with anxiety in our lives how we're caring for ourselves um and so i don't know where you are with yours but i can always catch you up on where i am with mine (laughs) Well, and so this is what I have to say, Tina. Number one, when we started these conversations, I want to be clear that it was birthed out of crisis, yes, right? So yep. um, at the point that we started these, our meetings together, I was in a place where I did not know how to understand the pressures that I was feeling. Mm-hmm. So when we started our conversations, I'm in the the hardest part of the semester as a professor, hardest time in the spring, it's anytime spring break and later, it already is just a steep hill down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So student projects are coming in, grading is significant. Um, I was teaching a graduate course for the first time. 
that had a lot um, going on with it. And then we're in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. I have students who are overwhelmed with dealing with a pandemic as college students, undergraduates, graduate students, people who are graduating in May. It's March, it's April. They're stressed and it's legitimate, heartfelt stress. But around the corner, I have three children under the age of six at the time, or six and under, but our oldest had just turned six right before the pandemic. And so two of them are school age. So we are now teaching Uh and we're homeschooling. And my husband has a wonderful job uh, doing great work for UT Austin, doing outreach, trying to help students get to college. Great. But that means we're working from home with the children, with the university policies and different things changing. And then I'm falling apart in the midst of it. So I'm trying to hold up all of these roles, but internally I'm falling apart. So therefore I reach out to Tina, who knows me for all those blossoming years. <laughs> I don't. Um, right and, Right me, you know, <laughs> all the agrarian analogies here. Uh, but, you know, I reach out like, Tina, help me. I, I don't know how to process all of this. And so I just want to be real clear that we didn't get together because it was a pandemic and we wanted to add another Zoom call. Yeah. This thing was birthed out of necessity. Yeah. So um, for more clarity, we were not doing the Zoom happy hour with the wine and trying to connect mm-hmm. and like have an outlet. <laughs> we were like, no, I, this is a lifeline. That's what we were doing. We were holding on. Our, our knuckles were clenched and they were turning colors because we were on that edge, on that margin. <laughs> yeah. And by the grace of God, we did not fall off. So, so for sure it was that. And for me, um, my part was I was going through this thing with my health. Mm-hmm. because most of the pandemic, I had not been feeling well, um, couldn't figure out what was going on, but I know just almost every part of my body was in some kind of a dysfunctional mode, and it was being disrespectful to me, Ashley. I'm going to just be honest. My body mm-hmm. was being disrespectful, and I said, I don't know what is going on with you, but this is not how we act, and mm-hmm. the more I would talk to it, the more it would be disrespectful. <laughs> Your own body was a frenemy, you know, it's like we are, <laughs> we are battling. Right. And so after multiple visits to, well, to emergency amidst sure. visiting specialists and talking to doctors, um, my anxiety level was high and some of the symptoms I was having was they were anxiety related and we were just trying to figure out what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that when we connected and when we talked, it was like, it was like God was saying, okay, y'all need to come together and you need to, to support one another. Mm-hmm. And whatever that looked like, we were open to it. So this is what it's looked like. That's um, right. And what's so good about that, Tina, is this. Sometimes people think that you have to relate on, or let's just say a lot of times people think you have to have congruent situations to be able to talk to each other. Like every piece of it has to line up exactly the same. That's yeah, not, yeah. that's not what it was for us. We had similar situations. Yeah. So yeah. there were the elements of it 
were different in the details, but the overarching feeling of being out of control, not knowing what the next day would hold mm -hmm. and how that was affecting us was the same. And so that was the beautiful part to me because sometimes if it's too similar, we get all into the details and yeah. we're not able to kind of step back and see what is God up to here? So I was so grateful that we had similar situations, but they weren't the same because we yeah. could encourage each other differently, Absolutely. you know, in those moments. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I adore you, of course, and I know your family, but I think what was so beautiful about the fact that we were in those two different places is it gave me an opportunity to just appreciate and honor all that you have to do in your role as mom, as mm -hmm. wife, as professor, which is your employment. And so it just gave me a chance to really appreciate, especially in this pandemic time, everything that you're having to face and being able to really think about the fact, you know what, there are lots of folks out there um, who are having this, having a similar experience. Mm -hmm. And it has given me so much empathy, I think, beyond what I would have originally not had, had mm -hmm. I not been able to sit in with you and really have a, um, just a an eye, bird's eye view into your situation. Yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, oh, Tina. Yeah, there are just so many benefits and I think it, it just speaks to the importance of relationships. Mm. Like we got to invest in relationships. Yeah. So we met 2005. Okay. Oh my God. I did it. I threw it out there. I put it out there. And so what I'm saying is this, this, the ability to call you in a moment of crisis was cultivated. Right. You know, right. over time. And I, and I think that's just an important part of how we get through hard times mm -hmm. because we have to, in a hard moment, you're not really trying to run to somebody brand new that yeah. you have to give yeah. all this context to and all of these other things. And so when I'm in a, a hard moment, like I was and struggling with anxiety, I knew Tina would know what to say to me right now. Mm -hmm. Unbeknownst to me, we're in a similar space, but yeah. I knew yeah. that you would know what to do. And, um, and I think, you know, all of those things are important for women. You know, okay. I just think we, we, I mean, it's for everybody. Cause I know your listeners are not just women. There are some phenomenal men here. And I think it's true for them. Just human nature. We have to have relationships that we can gravitate toward that are life giving, life affirming, and you'll empathize, you'll sympathize, but you won't just get all the way in there with me to where we can't get out together, you know? So I think that's really important. And that really helped me in this phase to talk honestly, because yeah. we already had that foundation. So true. And, and what's interesting about our relationship is that we are in different, technically in different generations. Now I'm putting myself mm -hmm. on blast here a little bit because you are the millennial generation you know y'all got so much energy innovation. Of i just want to just say like i'm an old millennial and so i may not be able to get be totally relatable to the closer to gen z millennials <laughs> i'm just throwing it out there <laughs> get out there and look i'm trying to get closer to millennials i'm like and yes and so you know i'm i'm closer to that than probably most people in my generation um but, you know, it's interesting because when we met, we were in a relationship that had a different power dynamic. 
Sure. And then over time, as we kept in touch, our relationship grew and it, the power dynamic wasn't even a factor. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that my ability to connect with you and relate to you and build trust with you really didn't have anything to do with the fact that I'm older, I'm in a different generation, mm-hmm. I have a different life cycle and, and my world is different than your world. It was simply just based upon your spirit, your heart for Christ, and the fact that you loved me. And mm-hmm. I knew that. And I, I hope that our friends of Freed Up really can grab hold to that because it doesn't matter who that person is by way of station in life, mm-hmm. age range, God puts together who he wants for purposes and um, for seasons and reasons. And now, 15 some years later, who mm-hmm. knew that our initial meeting in a workplace setting would translate to the fact that we would be on the phone, on a Zoom, in contact every week, every other week, talking about how we can support one another in our lives and how we can yeah. love each other to the place where God wants us to get. And that is so powerful to me. That's the power of relationships. It is. And and this is what I will say, Tina, is I think it takes some humility on the part of the older person to say there's a way that we can relate here right Mm -hmm. so I I feel like sometimes we because of a uh because being in different life stages some people cut off the the concept of a relationship with someone who's not there again we can be similar without being congruent we can have something in common and for us we are Jesus's girls. Yeah, yeah. We just, we just roll with him. We daughters. So we are daughters of the king and that yeah. is our chief identity. Yes. And so yeah. we're we're yeah. we're black women. We we have all of these other things in common, but our chief point of connection is as daughters of the king. And so when we connect on such an important level, then the rest of it is like it's 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 additional. Yeah. It's an add-on. It's a benefit. Um, but the, the core area that is the most essential to us is there. And I think I felt that from the moment we met. I mean, yeah. the moment. And so that has carried over and allowed us to adjust as life mm-hmm. moves. Because really, we still stay very central to that identity as daughters of the king first. Yes, it is. And I, I want to just grab hold to this word humility because that thing right there is, I think, really at the base of relationship. And we say trust is, but humility is the breeding ground for trust. Yeah. Because if I'm going to trust you, I gotta, I gotta show up you know, trustworthy, you know, this, it's like the Bible says, if you want a friend, you got to show yourself friendly. If I yeah. want someone to be vulnerable and allow me to be vulnerable, I have to be able to, to model that and demonstrate that. And so humility is at the base of that. I think for relationships and especially for ours, and I, I hope for our, our freed up friends that we really do think about where are we with that? And I know there are times where that's not always, um, that's not always my angle. <laughs> and, and humility says, in, in essence, I don't know everything, 
I need help. Mm -hmm. I need help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We really treat help like a four letter word. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be associated with help. Don't, yeah. don't, don't, don't put me in the help, the helpless group yeah. or the needy group. And really we all need help. And if you acknowledge that your relationships flourish mm. because people see how they can help you. If you're always the helper yes, and never the one being helped, you might want to check where you are on humility. Yeah. 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 In some way you're, you're gravitating towards the opportunities that put you in the position of the savior. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I will say this because I'm, I'm one of those recovering people who was that person. Yeah. Like, no, I'm the helper. I'm the fixer. Um, that's the way that I'm coming into it. And the truth of the matter is it is a, it's a space of pride that has some mm. fear and insecurity in it because obviously the opposite of humility is, is pride. Right. Um, and, um, and I think in some sense, the opposite of it is not fully recognizing love for yourself. Um, mm. and that when you, when you, are able to see yourself in the eyes of, of God and of Christ and who he calls you to be, you're able to be more humble and more open about, yeah. I don't have it all together. And mm -hmm. I think the beautiful thing with us is that we had the opportunity to, to exercise that humility early on. And yeah. I can say what it, what it was about me. It was a challenge that God put in my life. It's like, even though you have this power dynamic in this relationship, um, and I could very easily, because I mean, you know, you, you tad bit intimidating because you do have a going on a little bit. I can say that you didn't say it about yourself. <laughs> say that. <laughs> but I really did have, I really had a, a, a easier time to say, I can show up in my vulnerable self because of the fact that you were a daughter of the king and you lived mm -hmm. that out and your humility showed up in the space where I could easily say, I received that and I want to give back to that. And mm -hmm. that's where our connection began. And quite honestly, Ashley, I have to tell you, that's where a lot of my growth started happening, where I felt like, no, you don't have to always show up as the helper or the fixer. Mm -mm. And, and it takes, it takes some getting used to, to yeah. shift, yes. right? So it's not a quick shift, but I think it starts with a little bit of awareness to say, let me evaluate the relationships that I have, mm. especially if I'm in a tough space and I don't feel very supported. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a time to lovingly reflect and say, am I always the helper? Mm, mm -hmm. because that means I haven't let somebody see that I need help mm, so mm. now I'm in a hard place and I don't have anybody to talk to but maybe that's because I haven't been vulnerable enough to to show that I need help we I'm trying to see if I need to put my shoes on because because <laughs> my toes is they're crunched up because they've been stepped on <laughs> Well, good thing we're in quarantine because nobody's looking at these toes. So you all right. You are all right. But I'm, I'm serious, Tina. I just, and I only, I want to say that I'm saying that out of the place that I've been in during okay. this time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is I have had to articulate to different people in different ways, I need help. I've had to say that to my husband. 
because sometimes, like you mentioned, uh, women can be the nucleus of the family to try to hold everything together, uh, to organize everybody's activities, but nobody said you have to do that. Right. So right, right, are right. you even telling your spouse, I need help? Or are you just mm-hmm. assuming that help will not be given mm-hmm. or that in some way you're supposed to shoulder all of it, you know, as the, the amazing mother that you want to be? I had to tell my mm-hmm. colleagues at work, I need help. Got a lot of projects happening. And before, I don't know, I mean, just as a black woman in academia, we're not, you know, we are few in number yeah. statistically overall. And you feel that need to overperform. And I don't want to tell too many people I need help because what if that comes back to not work in my favor at some point, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, no, you need to tell people you need help. So in all of these areas, I've had to start articulating, I need help. And it wasn't comfortable initially. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and what I learned in the discomfort was the reality of a quiet level of pride that was disguising itself as service. Uh-oh. You know, Uh-oh. I'm helping, 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 I'm helping other people. Um Wow. But in a way, that was another form of pride that wasn't so obvious and wasn't so obnoxious or wasn't so um, on the surface level as um, manipulative and so on and so forth. But really, it was a, I'm the helper. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm not in the position of, but I'm helping and I want to help as many people as I can. Yeah. And the Lord's yeah. like, girl, sit down. I love you. You need help too. <laughs> tricky it's tricky it's a fine line it's tricky but here's the thing about it here's what I love about our father yeah is that the way that he allows us to see that we need to have several seats (laughs) a stadium amount of seats is that it's just a gentle little way that he whispers it and and gives us a choice to say yes to it or no and that's where I think the support of relationships and just being able to talk through, I think that's where we get some of that, that strength, not just from the voice of God, but from having those seeds planted in our lives, the iron that sharpens iron, that you get to the place where you, you really do want to say yes to God. You, you yeah. want to say that because you want to please him, but you also have had support from those relationships Mm-hmm. To say, you know what, I really do need to say yes to this guy because I do need help. And I yeah. want to say this because when we think about the fact that we surrender to this need for help, yes, this is this is helping our mental health. Yes. And so I, I don't know where you've been with the whole path on. Um, let me tell you how this thing has walked itself out in my mental health world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I'm going to share where it's been for me. And then I know you're going to tell me about you, but literally it's almost like feeling like an overload. Like mm-hmm. the fact that you can't say the fact that I can't say, I have to clean that up. The fact that I have not been able to say, Hey, you know what? I really need help with this. Um, that creates this ongoing internal looping that goes on in my mind. So it's a rumination that happens and it's draining. And the whole thing is just, you know what, sit down and let somebody do something for you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, the weight of 
trying to process your your own life by yourself without support, without help is too heavy. Yes, and it's it never is. what God intended. Mm-hmm. You know, He intended for us to live in community. You know, when you look all throughout Scripture, you see all these familial references. You know, to the the family or the body of Christ. All these analogies about things that don't work well individually. Mm-hmm. And so God purposefully even represents himself in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in community. There's community in the Trinity. Yes. So if God, if God expresses himself in three persons. Yeah, yeah. Surely we need community. And so That's that good. idea of community is essential for us. We were never meant to carry this by ourselves. And I think when we had the busyness of our regular activities, we were running the social events, staying overworking, staying at work late, mm-hmm. doing all mm-hmm. of these different things. We didn't have to address mm-hmm. issues of community because we had busyness going on. Yeah. But now that we are in more restricted motion and cannot visit as freely, we now put a higher value on community um, um, and the need to actually the need not the the desire the yeah, need the need to yeah. be with people and around people and supported by people and so that is so obvious to me now the the value i think i've always valued relationships but the the level is even higher now yeah. because i'm because you i've had to lean on people in different ways in this time um and and really that leaning tina gets to at the bottom of it is trust mm-hmm. so like you can't lean on people you don't trust mm-hmm. you can't be vulnerable with people you don't trust and so one of the biggest relationships i discovered i had issues with in this pandemic was with god mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so all this fear all this anxiety about health and about work and about kids and about how, how do we manage all of this and about toilet paper. You know, at one point, everybody was crazy about toilet paper. Um, all of that, God just whispered to me, do you trust me to take care of you? Mm-hmm. And my honest answer at a point was not really. Yeah, yeah. And I, I wasn't even comfortable with having that thought growing up in the church and you just, you just trust God, live for him, all of these things. And here I was, and the reason I'm anxious is I think I have to do it. Mm-hmm. Now that's it. That's it. Now, now you see, we, that's why we are kindred spirits because I was thinking that if we're not asking for help, then really what are we asking for? And we are benefiting from something. We're getting something from that place of not asking for help. And if I think about the times that I don't ask for help, the benefit that I'm getting is the value on myself. It's doing something for me and for my need to feel a certain kind of way. Mm-hmm. And that means I'm depending on me which when I come through for me, at least in the times I think I'm coming through for me, then there's mm-hmm. like a little badge, a little feather in my cap. And then that means that I'm not truly relying on my father. So 
it really is a thing of, am I trying to mm. feel good about me yeah. by not asking for help? And if I'm trying to feel good about me, what does that say about my Ooh, relationship Tina, with God? Tina, you meddling, you meddling. Pretty got boomerang toes over here that you done stepped on. So I'm just oh, yeah. like, well, well, now these toes are crunched because <laughs> it really is. What are you getting? That's such a good question. What are you gaining from not asking for help? You're in my case, you're gaining some false sense of competence. Mm. that I know how to handle things. I don't want people thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, mm -hmm. I'll figure it out. And some of these narratives, quite honestly, are put on, so I can, I have to acknowledge I'm speaking as a believer, but also as a woman of color, right? Mm -hmm. So we're handed down narratives early mm -hmm. about how you have to perform as a woman of color, yeah. how you have to, cross every T, dot every I, perfectly cover your tracks, cover yourself, have yeah. proof, have verification, over-prepare. We're told all of these things yeah. Yeah. early in life. And you get into these places where you need help. And in some ways, that's counter-cultural. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. You don't mm -hmm. ask for help. You figure it out. You that's use right. your resources. You work, you, you work around the system in some ways. But the idea of blatantly, outright asking for help is viewed negatively. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so we want to uphold this narrative of competence. We want to uphold this, this whatever public persona we think we might have. Or in, in my case, that's what I was doing. Is I'm the strong friend. I'm the, I'm the one people go to for help. So I can't need help. I can't need help like this. I'm, yeah. You know, panic attacks. What is that? I've never had one of those before. What yeah. is happening to me? Yeah. I never knew yeah. fear could go that far. And mm. so here I am, drop, driving down I twenty one day, thinking I'm having a heart attack. And I, you know, I, I had some friends to call, call my doctor. Long story short, it was a panic attack. Never had that before. And I never knew that worry and anxiety. And for me, I didn't even want to say anxiety. I just wanted mm -hmm. to say I was a little concerned. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, because I didn't even want the label. And I realized this is out of hand now. This, yes. this, this desire to be the strong Black woman, have it all together, yes. is crushing you. Yeah, it's a weight. It's a weight. And... And I, I appreciate the fact that you brought up the, these societal narratives um, because they're ones that we've, we've learned and we've, we put them on and we've worn them. And to some degree, we've had the necessity of having to push against them. But in order to push against them, we almost had to fold into them. If I'm sure. going to protect myself from, from what might come my way, I got to be a strong black woman. And so mm -hmm. it's this cyclical looping. And for any woman or man that's listening, that is not a black person um, in whatever space you're in, whatever your race, ethnic identity, whatever your class or social space is, there's something yep. that we've picked up mm -hmm. along the way that we have to really just stop and think, what is it that's keeping me from asking for help 
or receiving help because some help is available. You know, you know the story about when 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 the person was stranded, they asked God for help, and then the the the, uh, the boat came, the that's plane right. came, and all that, and they they were like, oh, okay, don't wait, no. So, what is it that's keeping us from receiving that help? And then, what keeps us from connecting with others that allows those individuals to be a conduit of support? Because I know that there are people who feel like. And I've heard this, Ashley, and this is a place where I was in at one time. God had to heal me from, like, I don't do women. I remember mm. a long time ago when the Lord spoke to me and said that he wanted to use me in women's ministry. I said, that's going to be real interesting because I don't like women. What mm. are we going to do with that? And God had to show me that's a broken place in you that needs to be healed. Mm. And now I can't imagine my life without my women friends. Yeah. And so between those two places of, community, yes. relationship, and then needing help. There's something that we have to really dig and search and say, what's blocking those places for me if we're not able to access those yeah. in a way that's meaningful for us, in a way that's feeding us and fueling us. I, I, I agree. Self-reflection is a requirement. Mm -hmm. It is a requirement to go deeper in relationships to grow in honesty and to grow in authenticity, yeah. you got to reflect yeah. and say, what am I not? It, it, you know, I think sometimes we're too hard on ourselves, especially if the thought is negative. You know, sometimes I think we, we want to almost punish ourselves for having a thought. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to just saying, what's the thought, you know? Yeah. yeah. So when, when the Lord whispered in my heart, do you trust me to take care of you? Hmm. I kind of sat silent looking around like I was uh, maybe on candid camera and somebody <laughs> was going to catch me. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just like, well, the answer is actually not really, but hmm. I'm not sure that that's what I'm supposed to say. And I think that whatever that <laughs> barrier, as you mentioned, is on why am I not letting people in? Why am I not accepting help? Mm -hmm. You know, why do I have this negative opinion of a group of people that could be sources of help for me? You have to let yourself honestly answer the question. Yes, yes, yes. And like Pastor Fox said, you know, who was just on our podcast not long ago, yeah. um, just be okay with where you are. Yeah. And take the first step. Mm -hmm. And and so, I mean, I know our time is running out because, you know, we can talk. Sure, sure, sure. We, talk, we go on. Um, but one of the things that I want to close out the, our conversation about today is, you know, just really thinking about, we talked about just that need for relationship and that need to be able to ask for help. And I think both of those um, are so significant first in our relationship with God that I might struggle very greatly with that needing to reach out to other people and then needing to ask for help when I haven't been able to do that with my creator. And that's the first relationship that vertical is first to get the horizontal right. And so I, my hope and my prayer is through this podcast over multiple episodes um, is that men and women understand that the first relationship of value is that of the one who gave them life and breath and who loves them beyond any of their wildest imaginations, that he loved them so much that he literally gave up the very part of himself, a value yeah. part of himself 
to be a sacrificial substitute for what we should have taken on and that that relationship is first and foremost. And when you get to God and build your relationship by going through his son, Jesus, I promise you the healing that needs to take place begins to happen. It's not perfect, but it begins to happen so that now in those areas where I've been struggling and still need help in, in yeah. building relationship and being a good friend and, um, and being able to say, Hey, you know what? I just, I need you today. Can you just, can I just crawl up and what I need? I can do that because I'm learning how to do that from the one who's perfect enough to love me through it. You know? Yes. And, and I, you know, as you talked about that, I was, um, thinking about Isaiah 41 and 10, which is one of my favorite verses mm-hmm. in scripture. And it says, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And if you study that verse, you see a personal God. Yeah. I'm with you. So you don't have to be afraid. I am your God. I will strengthen you. So yeah. So it has to start with God first because he will sustain you. He will strengthen you mm-hmm. for everything that lies ahead. He's mm-hmm. upholding you with his righteous right hand. He is not God who is sitting up in a cloud with arms folded, looking at you, saying, oh, my goodness, here, here's Tina, not trusting me again. Right. We, right. we are but dust. And if we could save ourselves, we wouldn't need a savior. That's we right. wouldn't need the work of Jesus. Um, on our behalf to make a way back to God. So he's not looking at us for the, for perfection. And that is so important when we think about this relationship piece, because God is inviting us to be honest with him mm-hmm. in this time. Yeah. If he's asking, do you really trust me? And you're saying not really, that's okay. Yeah. He's yeah. not disappointed. He knows anyway. But if you don't view God relationally, Mm -hmm. I think you, you put a lot on yourself Mm -hmm. and you try to support yourself and you try to solve all the problems. And when you have one too many problems, you realize the end of your strength. That's right. And so God is inviting us in to say, I have you, but be honest with me about where you are. I listened to this episode another time and I thought, man, this is so powerful. It blessed me all over again. And I hope it's been the same for you. If you are dealing with any anxiety in this season, if you're struggling with any emotion that's overwhelming you, I want you to know that you too can ask for help. Make sure you're building those relationships and being a safe relationship for someone and know that you need a community surrounding you during this time and beyond. And listen, for our next two episodes coming up, I'm super excited that we're gonna have Reverend Dr. Marisha, who's gonna talk to us about couraging up after a season of separation and divorce. I promise you, this one is going to make a difference in your life. Make sure you get back, okay? And remember this, you don't walk this road alone. I'm walking this path with you. God loves you, I love you, and make sure you take care of you.